So if you would, turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew 9. This week is proper perspective when it comes to the work of the Lord, when it comes to ministry. We're going to go ahead and open up in a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Father, uh, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for for the work that you did while you were here and the work that you continue to do in each and every one of us every single day. Father, I pray that we would not grow weary in well-doing, but that we would have a mind to work, that we would have the mind of the Lord. Father, our vision for this year is to see things your way. And I pray that we would have those eyes, that we would have that vision, that we would have that heart to see the world the way you see the world, to see fellow believers the way you see us, and that we would have the heart that just gives and gives and gives because that's what you did. And that's what our Savior did. He just gave and gave and gave to the point where it was his very life that we would all have a way to you. I pray that we wouldn't lose sight of that. And tonight that I would be out of the way, Lord, that it would be your words that would make a difference because the power is in your word, not in the person standing up front. So Father, give us open hearts. Give us soft hearts to hear from you, to think about these things personally, about what we can do and what needs to change within us so that we can more effectively serve you by serving those around us and bringing you more glory that the people around us would see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so this week having a proper perspective. All right, I wanted to start off by sharing this with you. A young couple moved into a new neighborhood. And the next morning, while they were eating breakfast, the young woman saw her neighbor hanging out the, the clothes to dry. That laundry's not very clean, she said. She doesn't know how to wash correctly. Maybe she needs better laundry soap. And her husband just looked on and didn't say a word. And every time the neighbor hung her wash out to dry, the young woman repeated her observations about this dirty laundry. About one month later, the woman was surprised to see a nice clean wash on the line and said to her husband, look, she's learned how to wash correctly. I wonder who taught her how to do this. Her husband says, well, I got up early this morning and I cleaned our windows. But the point is, it's all about your perspective. Right? You think you're seeing one thing, and, and really maybe it's something different. But when it comes to the work of the Lord, when it comes to ministry, it's about having the right perspective. right? Because I'm with you guys. It's easy to think about how busy we are, or how many more other things we've got to do, and we don't have time for this or time for that. But frankly, that's not having the right perspective on the things that God has called us to do. right? We don't, we don't want to get poor grades and do bad in school. We don't want to do a bad job at work. I mean, these things are not going to be very glorifying to God either. But when they take the precedence over the things that he's called us to do and the opportunities that he gives us, then we're not bringing glory to his name either. And it's about having that right perspective of how do we minister? How do we do it? How do we go about it? Where, where do we even look? So really, that's what tonight's about, is about looking for opportunities, looking for them. You know, in the first, first line on your page, he said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. That's out of John 4. In Matthew 9, 37 and 38, uh, this is Jesus speaking. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. 
Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. You see, there is plenty of work to be done. There are plenty of people out there that need Jesus Christ, that don't even know they need Jesus Christ. What are we doing? We're the laborers. You need to pray that God will send the laborers out because the field's always ready. It's always ready. It's us who aren't. And that needs to be our prayer. Send the laborers. Bring out the laborers. And first and foremost, it's got to be me. I can't stand up here and tell you guys what you need to be doing, and I'm not out doing the work myself. So the first place we need to look is inside ourselves, because we need to be the first. And then often what that does is when you get excited about that, it starts spurring others on to get excited to do the same work. And it's the work that we're called to do. You know, as I, as I prayed, our vision for this year as a church, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 12 real quick. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. You know, this is our vision for the year as a church, and it's seeing things God's way, not putting our eyes on ourselves, but remembering Jesus and the price that he paid. So Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, he says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. So what are the things that are weighing you down and stopping you? We need to lay those things aside. And the sin which doth so easily beset us. What sins easily beset you or come around you and entrap you to make it feel like you can't even get out? What are those sins? They're going to be personal for you. But he's saying, lay those aside too. Lay aside the weights that are dragging you down. Lay aside the sins that are besetting you. And when you've done that, you run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We have to look to Jesus because we can't do this. We can't. It's not easy work, and it's exhausting, and we can't do it. So what does he say? Don't look inward. Look upward. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, it was you. You were the joy. That's what he saw when he was up there. He despised the shame that was coming down on him, but he endured it for you. And that's got to be our heart. That's the heart of ministry and ministering to others. And then it even goes on to say, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. And I know this side of heaven, there's no way we can comprehend that statement. That who we are is a complete contradiction to who he is. He, he had that, that uh, contradiction of sinners against himself. So if you're thinking it's too hard, or you can't do it, or you're exhausted, consider how sinless perfection, what he endured for something that's a complete contradiction to who he is. And these are the things that should be motivating us to have that vision, to see things God's way, and to be looking for opportunities. And then go ahead and turn to, let's go to Proverbs 4. I'm just going to look at this one. Proverbs 4, verses 25 through 27. So be looking at things God's way. Be setting your eyes on Jesus Christ. Look up for your strength, not in. And then Proverbs 4, 25 through 27. 
He says, let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. You need to see what's in front of you. That's where God's going to have the work for you is in front of you. Set your eyes on it and then ponder the path of thy feet. Are your feet going the same way? Or is God showing you things that you're not seeing because your feet are set in a different direction because you're, you're operating on your own desires, on what you want. So set your eyes forward. Ponder the path of your feet. Let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left and remove thy foot from evil. Having that mindset, having your eyes set in that proper perspective of what would God have me to do, not what do I want to do. Because what he has for you is always so much better than what we want to do. The problem is we get convinced within our minds that this thing is going to bring us joy or happiness or whatever it is. Maybe we're just scared and we're afraid of, of doing something because we're, we're scared of rejection or, or whatever it may be. I promise you, you set your eyes on the things that he sets them on and you make sure your feet are going that direction, you're never going to be let down. Never. Never. And these eternal weight to these things that he sets you out to do. So when it comes to, to this practical way of, of ministering and looking for opportunities, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts 8. So there's a few places that we need to be looking. This is on the heels of Stephen being martyred. It says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, Stephen's. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions, the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great, made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore they were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. So you see, Philip goes and he takes the word with him out to Samaria, right? And the field was ready. It was ripe. They were white, ready to be picked. All they had to do was obey the Lord and go. Go out and preach the word. And that's what he did. So the first place you can look is outside the church, whether it be for discipleship, if you're looking to disciple someone, or just someone to minister to, right? Something that I've talked about a decent amount in here is, you know, most of us in here, and if we've been in the Bible for any length of time, you know what it's really easy to do is to talk to people about Jesus. And now I, I get that there's this fear involved. I'm not saying it's super easy. But it's easy to maybe share what you believe, talk about Jesus, tell people what the Bible says. But you know what's much harder to do? It's harder to show people Jesus. And that's what these apostles, that's what these early believers went and did. It's not that they just 
went out and said, hey, here's what the Bible says, right? Now, granted, we can't cast out unclean spirits or heal the lame or anything like that, but they were showing people Jesus. They were saying, they were showing people this is the power of Jesus Christ. So are we out there just talking about Jesus? Hey, here's Jesus. Here's this guy. He's your Savior. He died for you, and it's good. We need the message. We need that. But are we showing people Jesus? And when you look outside the church and you're coming across people that have either, you know, all they know about Jesus is what they would call religion and the things that they hear, the things that they hear other people say, or maybe they've come in contact with some professing Christians that haven't exactly lived up to it, right? We need to be looking outside the church to be winning souls to Jesus Christ because the time is short and we don't know how much we have. So you can look outside the church. That's what these guys did. They were sent out. And you notice what caused it? Anybody? Persecution. So though we love our cushy bubble of things being easy, and we all got enough of our own problems, and the last thing we want is persecution, you read through this book, you're going to find what made the church grow. Persecution. What led people to Jesus Christ? Persecution. Because these people didn't deal with persecution the way your average lost person would deal with persecution. They went out and they told people about Jesus Christ and they showed people who he was. So having that perspective, it's not, it's not just about building our little empire here in Jackson Township. It's about going out and seeing the lost saved. So we need to be looking outside the church for ways to minister to people, to show them the Savior. And then next we look inside the church also. Go ahead and turn to Acts 16. Because we can't be so focused only on bringing people in, seeing people get saved, that the people within our own walls now aren't being ministered to. <laughs> See, it's all, the, our whole life is, is just a huge balancing act. But we need to be looking outside the church and not only inside and we can't only be looking inside and then nobody's one to Christ. So we also need to look inside the church. Acts 16, 1 through 5. Then came he, and it's speaking of Paul here. Then came he to Derby and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed. But his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took, uh, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. For they, uh, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them uh, the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. So again, we need to be looking outside the church, but we also need to be looking inside the church. Who can we lock shields with? Who can we uh, just shoulder up with to fight this battle together, right? Sometimes going out and, and talking to people about Jesus Christ, it can be scary. Well, why do you have to do it alone, right? We need each other for these things too. So when we're ministering within the church and we have these close bonds within the church, then we go out. And sometimes we can go out together and we can do these things and we can see souls saved. But this is how ministry works. It's about people, not saved people, not lost people. It's about people, all people, because Jesus Christ died for every single one.
not a certain group, but every person. And have you ever needed ministered to? Anybody in here ever needed ministered to? My hand went up because I have. Anybody ever really come through for you? Do you want to then be that for someone else? I know I do. It's an incredible blessing when you can be a, when you can minister to someone else in a time of need. And that's the that's the mentality. That's that perspective. You're not doing it because it feels good. That's just an added bonus you get after the fact. You're doing it because it's what's right. You're doing it because that's what Jesus did. And that's what we've been called to do. So look outside the church for those in need. Look inside the church for those in need. And then get creative and just look everywhere for the lost and saved alike. Go ahead and turn to John 12. John 12, 32. Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, speaking of his crucifixion, will draw all men unto me. Jesus is drawing every person to himself. Now look in verse 23. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. And this is the problem, right? We are all far too alive to self. We really are, right? Jesus is making a very good, clear point here. Right? I mean, Claudia and I, we have gardened in the past. So when it comes to a seed, right, if you have a living seed and you plant that thing in the ground, nothing happens. The seed has to die, dry out, go into the earth, and then it brings forth a whole new plant which produces many more of whatever fruit it is. Right? The seed's got to go in the ground and die. It has to. Likewise, your life hid in Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. But we're far too alive to self. And the reality is we need to die to self. You want to see fruit? You got to die to self. You got to go where he goes. Follow his lead. We get very, very caught up in the things that we want to do instead of the things that he's called us to do. So get creative and look everywhere. We got to be dead to self. Right? We are not above anyone. No one. No one on this earth is lower than us. Right? The only difference between us and your average sinner out there, or what we would call the lowest of the low, is we've been forgiven. We've been saved by grace, and that is it. This is the only difference. And we can't forget that. So then finally, turn to 1 Corinthians 9. We need to be looking outside the church. We need to be looking inside the church. We need to just be looking everywhere for the lost, for the saved. Who needs Jesus? Everybody needs Jesus. You know who else? Me. Every day. Every single day. I'm no different. So we got to get creative. we got to look everywhere. And you know, Paul gives us some very good insight in 1 Corinthians 9 on how to look. Right? We've seen 
where to look, look everywhere. But now how to look. How do you, how do you interact with people? And this is what Paul said. One of the greatest evangelists who ever lived, if not the greatest. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. Paul says, For though I be free from all men, though I'm free, I, I owe no man anything. I'm free from all men. Yet have I made myself servant unto all. I'm free from them all, and I have chosen to make myself a servant to all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law, of, under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. How to look? Become whatever they are. Right? It's having that mentality that you're not better than anyone. Because we're not. It's having that mentality of finding some common ground. We're all human. All of us. So no matter how high someone is or how low someone is, there is going to be a common something between you and them. It's about finding that and then showing them Jesus and, how sh and showing them how Jesus is what makes all the difference in sharing the gospel. That's how we minister. That's how we minister to the lost. That's how we minister to each other. Because let's be honest, just because we're believers doesn't mean that we don't lose sight of these things. Right? One of the, the greatest verses I think that I ever came across in 2 Peter, where Peter says, you know, I'm putting you in remembrance. I'm putting in your remembrance of these things. And he says, uh, in, I believe it's in verse 12, 2 Peter 1.12, that I'm, I won't be negligent to put you in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, that ye may be established in the present truth. Right? That's showing someone Jesus in the moment, even a believer. Though we know these things, we don't know them in our present truth. We don't know them in what we're currently going through. And sometimes it takes a faithful brother or sister in Christ to remind us of the things that we know. Because unfortunately, we only know them up here, and we don't know them down in our heart. And sometimes it takes that, that loving minister to come beside you and to just show you that thing again. So that's how to look. So the big, the big takeaway of this really is looking for opportunities looking for them because they're always there. God is always bringing them. The problem often is we're not looking for opportunities because ignorance is not bliss. It's failure concerning the gospel. Ignorance is not bliss in this regard. So we have to be looking for these opportunities. So we know where to look. We know how to look. So I'm going to give you guys some time. And like we did last week, what are some ways and places you need to actively start looking for? Cross off a disciple. What are some ways and places you need to actively start looking for an opportunity? That's what I want you to write there. For an opportunity to glorify God. For an opportunity to share and show Jesus Christ to someone.
So what are some ways and places that you need to start actively doing that? And then uh, the bottom, write out at least two names of specific people that you will start praying for and actively pursuing for Jesus Christ. Let's go ahead and take about 10 minutes or so and uh, break off into groups like we did last week. Everybody can...